Hey, and welcome everybody to the first episode of my brand new podcast called That's Life. I'm your host, Tamar Charmaine. And if you're listening to me on Audible, that was the lovely melodic sounds of Solange with her song, Cranes in the Sky. Unfortunately, if you're listening to me on Apple or Google or any other place where you can listen to me, um, you won't be able to hear the music that I have in this podcast because I guess like rights issues or whatever the case may be but I will put a list of the songs that I have played um that goes with the theme of this episode and for the future episodes um it's maybe one to three songs uh, episode that I will actually have um so Today's title, as you can see, of this podcast is called Feeling Blue and Understanding the Flaky People Around You. So, in in um short, we will actually be talking about depression and anxiety, understanding the symptoms, the signs, um, a little bit of my background, um, and tips that I can give you, as well as... Um, not just the tips, but people around you um, that may be going through it. And so that way you will be able to recognize the signs. So for years, I actually suffered with depression and anxiety. And I did not realize it because a lot of times when you think about depression, you think about maybe somebody who wears black all the time or somebody who is very somber or melancholy or whatever the case may be you don't see public figures like Kate Spade, Robin Williams, Anthony Bourdain being the faces of depression and um, so one of the things key things that people need to realize when thinking or even approaching depression um, is that it's not just a um, illness that keeps you somber um, always. It's actually a chemical imbalance that deals with your ability to communicate. And according to my research, um, the definition of depression and the symptoms are, okay, general please, so I'm waiting for them to pull up. It is, come on, all right, the definition is the persistent feeling of sadness or loss of interest that characterizes major depression can lead to a range of behavioral and mental symptoms. These may include changes in sleep, appetite, energy level, concentration, daily behavior, or self-esteem. Depression can be associated with thoughts of suicide. Uh, people may experience with their mood anxiety, apathy, general discontent, guilt, hopelessness, loss of interest, loss of interest or pleasure in activities, mood swings or sadness, as far as sleep, early awakening, excess sleepiness, insomnia or restless sleep. As for your whole body, excessive hunger, fatigue, loss of appetite, or restlessness. As far as behavioral, agitation, excessive crying, irritability, or social isolation. 
as far as cognitive, lack of concentration, slowness in activity, or thoughts of suicide. As far as weight, weight gain, or weight loss, also common, poor appetite, or repeatedly going over thoughts. Now, if you are like me and have suffered with this illness, reading or hearing those things hit close to home because I can honestly say that I have experienced 99 of the things that I just listed. 99, sorry, 99% of the things that I just listed aside from thoughts of suicide. I thank God that I did not have those thoughts, but I can see why people would have those thoughts. Now, um, just to give you a bit of my background. So some, some people, you know, they, they suffer with depression because maybe a traumatic experience happened or sometimes just a chemical imbalance that just, just happens to them. And there's no explanation as to why it just, it just happens. For me, first of all, I want to start off by saying that my parents were amazing. They did their best to show me love in the best way that they knew how to. They always made sure to ask me how I was feeling. They made sure to give me hugs and tell me that they loved me um, every time I saw them. So I'm not blaming this on my parents in any way, shape, or form. But I did not have, you know, the best of childhoods, let's, let's say. And it had nothing to do with them. You know, um, by the time I was three years old, my parents separated. By the time I was in kindergarten going into sixth grade, I faced a near-death experience. I was diagnosed with streptococcus pneumonia. I had bacteria all up in my lungs and my blood. And then um, by the time I was six to nine years old, I was molested by multiple people. So I went through so many different things. And my parents were the only people in my family on both sides who were separated slash divorced. So my cousins, they all grew up in two family homes. I mean, sorry, two parent households. They all grew up in houses and I didn't have any resentment towards them or anything but you do start to notice when you're living in an apartment and your cousins are living in really nice homes and your parents are struggling to make ends meet um that can weigh on you and you at a young age start to question why am I not good enough um you begin to overthink um, you begin to be embarrassed over your your situation or whatever the case may be. Um, also, so I believe a lot of those factors factored into me developing some tor- type of depression or anxiety. I always was a happy-go-lucky kid, so and I internalized. I'm a cancer, so I internalized a lot of my struggles. Um, I don't really express it. In communities of color, your parents normally say, don't go to school telling all your business because the government's going to take you. You know, um, I don't know if I'm the only one, but if you, it, can I get an amen if you uh, <laughs> have had that talk? So I learned, I was taught, and I was learned to in, uh, internalize my struggles. 
Um, and my parents themselves had rough childhoods. That's why they were so loving towards me. Um, because they did not feel love when they were children. Um, and their parents had hard childhoods. So I think that part of it is environmental factors in my case. And part of it, it's hereditary. Um, looking at signs and looking back of just little things here and there from my parents. Um, I believe that, and my grandparents, I believe that this, my battle was also hereditary. And it's, um, sidebar, it's crazy to me how when somebody in your family has diabetes, high blood pressure, or is an addict, family they uh, they tend to tell you, yeah, this person had diabetes, type 2 diabetes. That's a cause disease. That's from poor eating choices, right? And But they make sure to tell you, yeah, it runs in your family, that, for, um, whatever the case is. But they don't tell you, hey, I was depressed. Your grandmother was depressed. And I think that we need to start opening dialogue and telling our children maybe when they get a little bit older hey by the way um at times I did go through depression and anxiety so that way your children know what to look for look out for what to pray against um because sometimes this is you know this this is not just a thing from this generation this is something that's been going on for generations and people did not know how to express themselves so um yeah I went through a heap of a lot um, growing up, um, I'm not saying that I had the worst childhood ever because there's people who had it worse than me, but what I'm saying is that, um, I did not have the easiest of lives and I thank God because I, if I did not have the love of my parents with all the traumatic experiences I did go through, I probably would not be able to stand here in the right mind right now anyway so that's a bit of my story and how I grew up another thing that I believe also contributed to uh, my depression was I was always in leadership by the time I was 10 years old I was the chaplain of my youth choir by the time I was 14 in ninth grade I was the president president of an 40 plus member choir. So I always had the pressure of people saying, lead an example. There are younger kids looking up to you. Even if people don't say it, people are looking up to you. So I always had those voices in my head where I always had to be the greatest example to everybody else. And what happens is a lot of people in leadership are, aren't allowed to be human because we're afraid that we'll be judged. Kate Spade's sister mentioned that Kate Spade actually showed signs of mental illness for a very long time, but she was afraid to seek help because she was afraid of how that would look on her brand. Somebody that's supposed to be about women's empowerment, somebody that's supposed to be about happy and being happy and joy, and she was dealing with mental illness. And what I have to say about that, if you're one of those people who are in a position where you're afraid of your image, um, you're afraid of what people will think about you, which is something that when you are depressed, that's something 
that constantly plays across your mind. And as I read, um, a symptom of depression is replaying stuff over and over in your mind. My thing is that your life is more important than the opinions of others. People will get over their opinions. But your life, your life is far more important. So put yourself first. Seek the help. Go seek help. And 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 don't be afraid to speak out. Don't be afraid to speak out. So, another um thing. Well, I'm going to go into a musical break. And again, I'm sorry for those of you who are not listening to me on Anchor. You won't be able to hear this song, but I will list it. So, after this podcast, go and listen to those songs. I'm going to listen well, I'm going to listen. I'm going to play right now. Just Let It Go by India Ari. And when we come back, I will talk about understanding the symptoms of people around you and how flakiness is actually, in my opinion, associated with somebody suffering with depression. Welcome back. That was Just Let It Go by India Ari. Again, I am so sorry if you're not listening to me on Anchor. Um, you will not be able to listen to the music that I have attached to this podcast. However, I will list the three songs that I um, have chose for this episode for you to listen to. After you're done, you can look it up. Before I went on break, and again, I'm sorry if you didn't get to listen to that Indiary song, uh, I talked about how I feel flakiness of somebody's character can often be just a sign of somebody that's going through mental illness. When I was in the thick of my depression and my anxiety, I I tended to um, overbook myself and overcommit myself, and that left me feeling very overwhelmed. And so when people would ask ask me to do something, um, I would tell them, yeah, sure, but it would take me a long time because as I read, one of the symptoms is lack of interest, lack of passion. So it would take me a while or I wouldn't do anything at all. And um, so it, it seemed like I was unreliable, but that wasn't really the case. It was really, I was having an internal battle with myself. So sometimes give people a chance. And I'm not saying to use that that as an excuse for somebody all the time. But always see the bigger picture um, with somebody. And why they may back out of things or why they may not show up to everything. Check on that person. See how they're doing. One of the hardest things um, you realize that is such a battle when you are depressed is being able to look in the mirror and speak to yourself. So a lot of times, you know, when you tell people I'm feeling this way, it's like you'd rather not tell anybody because somebody would say, oh, you can you can pray it away. Um, you can uh, get rid of it. 
and um, put some positive affirmations on your mirror. Speak great to yourself. You cannot connect to yourself. So how are you going to connect to a higher power? How are you going to write things that you don't feel? And it's so hard. It is so hard. When I tell you it's hard, it's hard. And uh, one of the things that has really helped me um, besides therapy was separating myself. Well, not even just putting myself in isolation. Um, I'm going to say, because that's not necessarily great, putting myself in a different environment. I've had the chance to travel. Um, and it forced me when I was traveling to be out in the sun <laughs> to get vitamin D, which is excellent for depression. Um, and that really pushed me to want to do more, to want to do better. Now, if you don't have the opportunity to travel or get out of your environment like I did, another great tip that I have that no matter your circumstance, no matter your environment, that truly I believe works really well when you are facing this illness is putting yourself on a routine. Now, I'm an independent contractor, so I get to pick and choose when I work, which can be very dangerous if you are suffering from depression because then you choose not to work. So if I already am dealing with uh, insomnia and I cannot get myself to sleep till 5, 6 o'clock in the morning, I can't wake up to 12, 1, 2, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, it's extremely hard to put myself on a routine. But I have this book called the passion planner um that I went out and bought and I saw it as an investment it's not the cheapest of uh of daily planners it's $25 I believe it might be a little bit more for the for the big passion planner and honestly you can do this with any journal I'm going to give you this tip that's in the passion planner in the passion planner it talks about Do not start your day later than 10 o'clock in the morning. Once you start your day uh, after 10 o'clock in the morning, your day is basically over. So you have to kind of start it at this certain time. It's kind of like $20. Once you, if you're broke and you've been broke like I have been in the past and you have, all you have to your name is a $20 bill. Once you break that $20 bill, you know you're broke. It's the same thing. Once you start your day after 10 o'clock, it's going to be harder for you to form into into line and get what you need to be done throughout the day. So my tip is start your day no later than 10 o'clock in the morning, if you can. And put yourself on a routine, even if you're home, even if you can't get yourself out of bed. Put it in your calendar, set an alarm, roll over, read something positive. You will begin to uh, um, get your mind up and, and get it to be like, okay, this is something I have to do every day. Routine is something that is so important when you're trying to get over depression. Now, I haven't taken, taken any medicine for my depression at all. Maybe I need it, maybe I don't. I don't know. I see a therapist. I don't see a psychiatrist. So it's a 
it's a bit different. Therapists cannot give you any medication. But but I do know that routine is something that combats it like you wouldn't believe. So that's my second tip. Put yourself, give yourself a routine to follow. Okay, so one of my final tips. Okay, so you, so I, I talked about how I went away and I was able to put myself in a different environment because I was blessed to go on business trips or whatever the case may be, right? But one of the things that I noticed that helped me besides getting myself on a daily routine, which I had to, one, I was on a business trip, I had to work every day. Basically, I was working six days a week. So that right there was routine. But another thing, and this actually, I would say this kind of falls under under the umbrella of routine, was to go to sleep early. Now, one of the very real symptoms of insomnia, I mean, sorry, of depression is insomnia, as I just stated. And so you tend to go to sleep late. But I could not go to sleep late because of the kind of job I had to do. I had to have a good amount of sleep. And forcing myself to daily, I gave myself um, between 11 to 12.30 to go to sleep every single night. Now, even on my day off, I would wake up at 8 o'clock, 7 o'clock in the morning, wherever, wherever the case was. Naturally, after like 15 days, I naturally was getting up early. I Even now, I naturally am tired around 11.30, 12.30 at night. When just a few months ago, I was going to bed at 6 o'clock in the morning. And it felt great. Now, I'm not a morning person, and I didn't realize what going to sleep early could do to you like I was able to get up and do so many extra stuff I was I I didn't have to rush to do things and at first it was very hard to tell myself to go to sleep early it was very very hard so I would just lay there I would listen to music like slow music like slow uh, gospel music or slow meditation, whatever it was, go to sleep. My therapist uh, taught me some like muscle relaxation, m- relaxation and breathing exercises to help me because uh, because of me not being able to go to sleep. And I would try to do that. And now it's easier for me to fall asleep like you wouldn't believe. And so when I was reading like the things that comes with depression. So insomnia, a lot of people don't realize when you have insomnia, that causes you to gain weight. It causes so many things within your own body. So I, within four years, gained 50 pounds. Now, when people see me, they don't believe me because I'm I'm not huge or whatever they expect somebody to be to gain 50 pounds. But my depression was a large factor also being with somebody who always wants to eat fried chicken is a factor but mainly um insomnia was a huge factor of me gaining weight being up in the middle of the night eating so you make sure you try to go to sleep early because guess what if you're trying to lose weight you're going to lose the weight. You're gonna. There's so many 
symptoms that comes with depression that really stems from insomnia that the depression gives you. So my second to last tip is to make sure you go to bed at a decent time. It's going to be hard for the first couple of days, weeks, months, but eventually it gets easier. Now my final tip, and I promise this is my final tip, this just this topic in itself has so much to cover, so I didn't want my first podcast to be this long, but whatever. I'm still under 30 minutes, which I think is f- fair. Um, so my final tip is limit your time on social media. There has been studies that has been done that show that social media is a major factor in uh, depression, especially amongst young people. And, you know, like like the rest of us, I'm you know, it's it's so easy to before you go to bed. You want to go on your phone and what happens is when you especially if you want to go to bed and you're looking at your phone, that's like one of the worst things you can do because the screen, the light that the screens show on your phone actually keeps you up. So that's also contributing to your insomnia. So don't always run to your phone. Right. But in the morning when you wake up, don't roll over and look at your phone. Roll over and say, thank you, God. Have some gratitude um, even if you don't believe in God, right? Have some gratitude and think about your day and plan out your day. And whatever the case may be, don't start it. Don't start your day with social media and don't end your day with social media. And I promise you, this tip will help you in the long run. Of course, it's hard because I feel like all of us have in some shape or form has some kind of addiction to social media to our smartphones for those of us who have it and I'm not saying that it's wrong because social media has a lot of benefits but what I'm saying is you cannot continue to wake up to your phone go straight on Instagram Twitter Facebook go to sleep go on Instagram Twitter Facebook and sometimes that when you're depressed, that comp- that that gets in, in your life because you want to read stuff, you want to write stuff, you're bored, you want to do the quizzes on Facebook and all that. I promise you, when you start putting away your phone, you're going to have time to do other things and it's going to occupy you and it's going to get you out of that slump. Earlier, I said hump. So now I'm saying it right, slump, okay? Um, so that is my final tip. And for some of you, that might be the hardest tip. But I promise you, staying off your phone right before you go to bed is going to help you to go to sleep. Thinking about what you have to do and setting goals for yourself before you look at how other people are living in the morning is going to help you. And that is my final tip. And the next episode of That's Life um, will be about navigating your 20s. It will be about relationships and envy and everything that goes on in your 20s. Not everything, but like a lot of things that most of us have in common when you're a millennial or even now 
millennials are sharing their t- the millennials that are in their mid to late twenties are sharing it sharing the twenties now with some generation Z people. So we will be talking about things that all of us have to deal with when coming into adulthood as real adults. And I'm going to leave you with this song. When I was in the thick of my depression and my anxiety, I put this on my uh, playlist. It's uh, to listen to every day because I couldn't speak great things to myself. But if I listen to motivational motivational speakers like Les Brown and I listen to motivating songs, um, I knew that one day those things were going to start to speak to me um, and minister to me. So this song that I'm leaving you with is called Journal by KCJ. I hope that you guys enjoy it. I hope that you guys enjoyed my podcast. And until next time, guys, bye.